Hi everybody and welcome to the Endless Cells podcast. I hope you're all well who's watching along. My connection seems a bit slow. There's a few connecting issues, so just stick with us and we'll have a great night talking about Celtic now. I mean, as you may know, everybody who's watching on Twitter, social media, the Jungle Gems podcast has aligned with ourselves under the Endless Cells banner. And we're then Gavin is in from the Jungle Gems making his debut. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, mate. As I said before we went live, we've done a podcast in ages. I'm, I'm happy to be back on, so thank you for uh, merging with the, the, the jungle gems mate cheers 100% man. 100% it's great to have you on and Jed has also joined the podcast full time how are you how are you buddy I'm fine thank you Stephen but apologies to everybody if there's I'm babysitting my grandson tonight with my <laughs> wife so if there's crying and moaning I can only apologise but I have to ask the wife to behave herself so we're used to it Jed <laughs> Stephen Stephen's always crying and moaning every week so we're all right <laughs> I listen. I cry and moan about important issues, Willie, and and Willie. How about yourself, man? How are you? I'm brilliant, mate. There's a bit of a buzz about the the podcast again with the guys joining on. With Brendan's been talking about getting quality in in the next window. We've we're like Ange. We've acted quickly and got the quality in before the windows even open. So I'm buzzing, mate. Uh-huh. Aye, and on the back of a win in the Champions League for for uh, the first time, well, the first time for us as a podcast. So I very excited to be on the night, mate. I know it's mad to say that, isn't it? And, and you're right, we've added quality to the ranks, and we're looking forward, obviously, doing more podcasts in the future with the guys too. But I mean, before we go on the proceedings, obviously, the Celts advent calendar is still up and running. It's the fifteenth of December, and just simply, can you guess who this player is? Number fifteen, the wee smiley face. That's, that's a nice face, isn't it? But if you can guess who he is, I'll start a comment and pull up later in the podcast. In regards to the Super Six, and I haven't had time to put it on this to be fair and i can't even find it now which is the shambles but i'll find it before the end of the podcast and i'll announce the table but i mean willie start with yourself as you said coming into a champions league week again we're always kind of i don't know on this podcast we're a bit you're always optimistic i'm always downbeat and there's no in between really is there but a, a brief overview of that far not game and a, a game that was described as a dead rubber, but again, both teams were going at it from the start. I think Farnod came to win the game. They didn't sit back. Arne Slat said they wanted to win the game. And like we always do, man, a, a brief summary of a fantastic night. Yeah, you're absolutely right, mate. I was kind of... <laughs> kind of switched this week because you were a bit more optimistic and it's the first time I've kind of been a bit downbeat this this year when it, with regards to the Champions League. Um, but uh, you're right, both teams were... Uh, <laughs> Both teams are there to win. Arne Slot was running up and down that touchline at every opportunity when, when they had chances, so you could tell he was desperate to win the game. Um, hard fought, well earned win. I think we've actually played better in games this season and last season in the Champions League and not got the result. Uh, I just feel like, well, you know me, every week I'm always saying that I just I, I feel like just a, a wee bit of luck to go our way instead of against us, which I feel has, has happened this season especially. And that definitely happened on Wednesday night. And... Um, and it was a, a a proper good result. I'm so chuffed that we've got the monkey off the back with this um, this unwanted record that's kind of been going all over social media. Uh, another one of these records, by the way, that sounds a lot worse than it actually is. Like we like we hadn't beat Levy in 50 years, but they they were in the championship for 45 of them. But uh, aye, the monkey's off the back. I win in the Champions League. I'm so pleased that this group of players has proved a lot of people wrong, including their own fan base, because uh, they've been getting a bit of stick recently. Uh, so I just a magic night all around. I was going fucking nuts. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of them things. It, it was a game I tried, like again, Gavin. I mean, for, for myself, like Willie said, yeah, it was optimistic, but it was more optimistic and that there was no pressure. There was no kind of 
nothing to be gained, nothing to be lost in, the, in, in that match against Farnold. And I'm trying so hard within myself not to be like, do you know what I mean? All the Champions League on the lights fall into that trap again. But see, once I see the teams coming out, I got the buzz again. And I was like, wow, we're, we're, in, the, we're in the Champions League. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say this win papers over the cracks that we all see. But I mean, we have to enjoy winning the Champions League. Not only that as well, it boosts the coefficient, which is great for Scottish football. And then also gives us an extra two million in the bank balance, which will probably stay there for Peter Lawwell's bonus, but that's another podcast. Oh, but Gavin, <laughs> what about yourself, mate? How did you feel? Uh, well, going into the game, like what you said, with the, 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 the rewards of a win, you know, the over £2 million pounds, uh, for a win, um, uh, the boost in the coefficient as well. A lot of people were talking about that. I think most of the pundits, what I was concerned about was what I was looking forward to is if we did get a win, it would galvanise us. And I think, especially with our kind of rocky form domestically, we really, really needed that. We need to get back on on, on track. And uh, especially with the, the squad we've got, it's a wee bit threadbare right now. The injuries, you can't you can't uh, legislate for that. It is what it is. We need to make best of a bad situation. But the confidence that, that, that you get from a win in the Champions League, no matter who you're playing, uh, it's we're, we're going to reap the rewards of that, and we really needed it. It came at the right time for us. Uh, the game itself, I was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions. I was a wee bit like William going into the game. Like, I, during the campaign in Europe, I've been somewhat optimistic, even going away to, to the away games. I was thinking, you know, it's still 11 against 11. Um, however, going into the final game of this group, I, I, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, we, we, we don't have the players, we don't have the confidence. Now we've got injuries. Whenever you look to the lineup, people like Mikey Johnson starting, Liam Welsh coming in from the cold. Uh, sorry, Steve Welsh. Coming in from the cold. Uh, I was just thinking, no, nah, luck is not on our side tonight. But we, we went through it, you know, um, people stuck together. Cal McGregor um, managed to, um, you know, keep everyone in the right frame of mind. And whenever, whenever I get a red card, whenever I give away a silly penalty, we kept the discipline, which is what we have been lacking in previous games. And we got the victory at the end. It came in a Hollywood kind of fashion, a, 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 a winner in, in stoppage time. And from an entertainment perspective, from a fan perspective, that was brilliant. You couldn't ask for any more. So... I'm happy. I can't. I can't ask for more. Just maybe continue that into the the, the league campaign. Yeah, no, hundred percent. We'll come on to the, the domestic side of things shortly. I do want to read out the super six table of managed to get it. In first place is Kieran on two hundred and nineteen. Alfie second on two hundred eleven. Mark Robertson two hundred three. Alistair Jack two hundred. Stephen Coulthard's moved up on the fifth to one nine six points. Sixth is Kevin Hamsey. Joe Finley seven. James Bowie eight. William, you've dropped one to ninth and rounding off the top ten is Brian. But but Jed, like what um what Gavin was saying there, it's the feeling you get. And look, you've watched the podcast many a times, Jeff, and you've commented many a times. You've been on a few times, and we've had a wee bit of back and forth. And I think we all know where I stand on on, on the European stuff, and it's not good. And I think we we all agree on that on an aspect of things. But people kind of point to different situations, money, teams who we're up against them in caliber, which will come on to as well. But the feeling that you get, like Gavin said, from a Champions League win is fantastic. Not only for the squad. I mean, a, a Fred Burr squad, if you're looking at the starting lineup, do you know what I mean? Mikey Johnson starting, uh, Stephen Wells, Liam Scales, these players who necessarily wouldn't be first-team starters. Obviously, Liam Scales, he, he's come on the game and been fantastic for us all season. But again, against Farnod, who, uh, in my opinion, I think we could have beat if we kept 11 men on the pitch in, in Rotterdam. But we showed our metal, and it was a good game overall. Yeah, I mean, 
my daughter actually took a picture of me in the way to the game and his team was announced and I put my I was like, ah, oh God, when I found out Stephen Mills was playing. But, I mean, I'll give him credit. I thought he actually played pretty decent. You know, and for me to give him praise like that is really quite telling. Yeah. But, honest, I know they said it's a dead rubber game, but I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever been as animated at a game in football in probably 30 years. I don't know when we, we turned out there was actually quite a few final fans in the side that sat next to my uh, daughter right, and, I. and they were <laughs> I mean it didn't bother me because my daughter was in the Madrid end when we played Atletico last month so the guys were actually decent but I was going off my rocker I was shouting at the players I was shouting at the ball boys and when we got home of course Katie great pride in telling her ma Oh, my dad was off his fucking rock of night. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, but just what Gavin and, and yourself, well, you were saying, I personally thought that the three performances at home in the Champions League, that's probably been their worst performance. I thought we, we played better against Atletico and against Lazio. Right. However, we got there in the end, and that did show character. In fact, when they went and go came and I sat up in the Jockstein upper and I thought it's going to be offside because it was unmarked. I thought oh, it's going to be offside. I didn't move. So it was like a delayed reaction to, to the goal celebration. Um, but delighted with the result, especially after a second half performance against Gomarnock. Um, there's still a few worries for me. Mickey Johnson again proved that He's not mm. good enough for us. Um, the right back had Palmer in his back pocket. Palmer couldn't get past him the whole game. Um, so there is a lot of work still to be done. But also we'll take a lot of positives from it. I mean, we've doubled our points tally compared to last season. We've got four points. And if things went, if we had a wee bit of luck, yes, we could have been through the next... Well, maybe the you you ought to... Europa League. I do think the Champions League's a bit of a step up. Cheers, Alistair. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> so, no, but I, 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 I was delighted. I mean, delighted at everyone. So it was. Yeah. I'd say to be fair with you, I actually speak my language, Jed. I mean, Mickey Johnson proved why he's an apt in the Celtic shirt. I thought he was bullied physically. And athletically as well during that match. And you spoke about Palmer. We'll come on to him. I have messages with Palmer too. But Gavin, one player I do want to focus on who played a part in us winning the penalty kick was um, Liam Scales. Now, Liam Scales, to me, look, at the end of the day, is the answer. We don't know. But at the moment, he's playing fantastically well. He's, he's in the Irish national team. He's proven his worth in the Celtic top as well. And he even spoke about this kind of being the last chance saloon for him in his career playing at a big club like ourselves too. So, he seems to have fully grasped like this opportunity. And I was listening, I can't remember what it was, but it might have been another Celtic podcast during the week. And they were speaking about Liam Scales playing a part in, in the defeat Aberdeen had at Darville and the infamous Darville victory. And then I think the week after that, Liam Scales got sent off and then he didn't really have a good end to that, to that season at Aberdeen. But injuries play a part and players get their chances. Now, we look at the likes of Bernardo, home and and whoever it may be, Awada in the midfield, they haven't took it. They haven't ran with it and made that shirt their own. Liam Scales, for me, has. 
and it's to the detriment of Mike Naraki or Gustav Lagerbjelke, Nat Phillips to a certain extent. But at the end of the day, a player on form like him, and what amazes me, he looked like Prime Maldini. He just he took control <laughs> of, of the defence. He can play a brilliant pass. He played Kyogo through maybe one one or two times during that match, and I thought Kyogo should have probably done better with the chances that were created for him. And he, he's he's deceivingly quick. He was like he's like Starfelt that way. Starfelt could cover ground really good. I think Liam Scales is off that out as well. But just at the moment, Gavin, I think Liam Scales is probably even with Carter Vickers included, our best centre half that we have at the moment on form. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't disagree with what you said there. Um, in terms of the, the, the penalty, um, another thing is the physicality of skills. If we never had the physical defender, we probably wouldn't have been able to in that penalty. Otherwise, the, our defender would have just been shrugged off the ball. But the fact that the opposing player had to bring him down in that fashion shows you the strength of skills. And talking about, you know, like, going from the highs and lows, the lows at Darville, and then the high of winning in the Champions League at Parkhead under the lights. It's it's perplexing in a way. I can't really explain it. Sometimes, like, whenever you see a player go into a, a superior team, play with superior uh, teammates, you, you're going to assume that he's going to rise to the fore. And that has been the case. But at the same time, you look at um, how many how many changes we've seen at mm. centre-back. Cameron Carter-Vickers, yeah, you want, if you're a defender coming into Celtic, you're like, I want to play with that guy. But he, he's had like, Lagerbjelka, um, a three million um, international transfer. Um, but it, it's been Scales who's looked the, the international player, you know, um, and, and Lagerbjelka has looked a little bit out of place. Um, so despite the uncertainty, despite the changes, he's risen to the fore. And I know it's difficult to speak about Liam Scales without sounding a little bit patronising, without bringing in some kind of cliches. Um, but he is playing for his future. We love a cliche, Gavin. <laughs> I guess we can drink every time we, 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 we see a cliche. Um, but he's done really, really well. Whenever a manager gives you the trust and you you, you, you fulfil what, what was been asked of you, then you earn the jersey. I think that I'm wondering, like, I, there are a lot of Celtic fans who are thinking, when is he going to drop out? When is Nerovsky going yep. to come, come in? And I think that... Liam Scales, what would it take, apart from an injury, apart from a suspension, like, I think you probably have to pledge his undying love for the Green Brigade in order to get dropped out of the Celtic team. But he's performing, and that's all we can ask. And it's, and again, cliche, it's an example to others um, um, aspiring Celtic players. That's that's what you need to do. Just don't make any like car crash mistakes, you know. However, the long term, the long term is, he's what, can I 24, 25 perhaps? Yep. Is it, does, it, does it distribute the ball as fastly as what we would hope? Probably not. But however, nobody right now is demonstrating in training that they're better than him. So until that happens, it's his jersey to lose. So I'm happy for him. I'm really, really happy. Especially like, the, the man of the match performance at Ibrox, whenever we were yeah. really on gosh, brilliant match-defining um, performance. And again, getting the man of the match in the Champions League whenever we win after, what, 15-odd attempts. It's brilliant. So... I'm really, really happy for him. I don't know where his future will be in the next year, next two years, but for right now, he's doing brilliantly. Yeah, Gavin, I, I do agree. Not, sorry, Go I was ahead, just going to ask, Gavin, do you not think there's a possibility that we could move skills to left-back? I know that he started off his career in Ireland there. He's played left-back, left-wing-back. However, he said in, a, in an interview, whenever he first signed for Celtic, that his preferred position was centre-back. 
I don't think he's got the mobility as a left back. He might be okay there as you know a one-off game, but I don't think his long-term future would be a left back. What do you think about that, mate? Well, the way Taylor is now, I'd probably be better at left back. Um, <laughs> he's naturally left-footed. He has got a bit of pace. Go on, he's got a bit of pace about him. So, yeah, I, maybe that's maybe something we could look at and try in a game. Maybe when we play, who's it we play in the cup? Bucky, Bucky Thistle. Bucky Thistle, yeah. Look at, look at that. Because I do feel... Like I even made a comment on Monday night when Nat Phillips came on, scales just his performance dropped as well because he's saying I'm going to I'm having to cover for that arsehole too that I'm next to me. So as but look, I'm willing. I'm willing. I, I don't think he should be dropped from the team. I just I I would like to see him get a few games at left back to see how he is because it surely it cannot be any worse than Taylor. Speaking of left backs, um, Willie, and I've seen, I've seen your face there when Alistair Jack put the comment that Liam Scale spends half the game covering for Taylor. And I, I agree in an essence. Yeah. And obviously, Jed posing the question to Gavin about Scales, he may be moving the left back. But the focus, to bring it back on Scales a minute, it's like, and, and, and again, this is a cliche, Gavin, an Irishman wanting to play for Celtic and fulfilling that dream. He's done that now. And he's played fantastically well while he's been doing it. And his raise, I mean, I'm going. To, I, I openly admit I'm one of them supporters who's going. When's that League One dip coming? Do you know what I mean? That's a, that's what I'm thinking. When we're going to see him at his level in Aberdeen, at a Dundee United or Inverness? Yeah, but he seems to just keep carrying on. And and I, I love the fact you referenced the the fact that he's played with Phillips, Larga Belka, Naraki, Carter Carter Vickers. He hasn't really had a settled partnership, so to speak, and he's done well the majority of the time he's played. But well, you shook your head. Alistair Jack said about that with Scales. I agree. I personally think that Liam Scales has pulled out of possession a lot covering for Taylor. We all know Taylor's told the play in the field and, and go up and attack the game. But for me, that demonstrates what Scales is good at, is just pure defending and, and, and being a rock at the back. And like I said, the focus on him, he's been fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could, um, couldn't agree more with the boys about um, Scales and his form. He's... Um... I think the biggest compliment I could pay him, I mean, we've discussed it in the past with, with Angie's team as well, that there wasn't many, there's no many players that are in our squad that are like indispensable that you can't drop. I think Cal Mack's probably one in, in the past few seasons. CCV's definitely been one. Um, but the biggest compliment I could pay Scales right now is if, if you hadn't seen us play a game before this season, and you've watched the majority of this season, you would say that Scales is the number one man in that centre centre half pairing, because he's been absolutely colossal for us. He's been tremendous, and I, I, I can't. He must have been about sixth choice when he came in at the start of this season. I think the gaffers already said in an interview he kind of came in and they had talks, and it looked like he was he was away, and then he's had a good pre season, and then the stars have just aligned for him, and there's been injuries, and he's managed to get his chance, and he's absolutely grabbed it with both hands. Um, He's been absolutely colossal, and for me, he's undroppable at the moment. I, in, the, in the chat about him moving to left back, for me, I wouldn't just because he has been so good at centre half. Um, I, I just think he's been, like I say, he's been colossal there. He's been an absolute gladiator. I would, I wouldn't be wanting to move him just because I think we would lose a lot um, at centre half 
at this moment in time. So for me, mm. uh, I, I, I wouldn't be pushing him out there just because he's been so good this season for us. What about the Taylor argument? What about it? <laughs> do, do you think, I mean, I think Jed is, is right that European level, I think a lot of our players get found out, let's be, let's be fair about this, but Taylor hasn't, in my opinion, coped well. And look, I agree with Gavin in an aspect where scales to me, he doesn't have the mobility to cover that role. So for me, it's a non-starter. But can you see the frustration? We know you're Taylor's probably biggest fan, but can you see the frustration with people saying we could probably try um, something different? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you see, I'm Taylor's biggest fan. I just think I'm his biggest defender because it's a good thing. I just yeah. feel like he's. I just feel like he gets made the scapegoat time and time again. Even in our group chat, every time a goal goes in, somebody says, "Oh, that's Taylor's fault." When there's four or five players at fault for the goal, but everybody picks out Taylor because he's the scapegoat. Um, he's obviously, for me, he's. <laughs> He obviously, obviously, we can get better if we buy a better left back in. Then I'm, I'm not going to. I just, I just feel like he gets unfairly treated when it comes to aspects in the game. Um, like I know me and John obviously had a bit of a back and forth in the was it wasn't it was a commandment game, commandment game when the goal went in because it was all Taylor's fault. And I was like, why is it because because he was up the park? Yeah, because we were pushing forward for a winner. There was actually like Cal Mack didn't even track his runner. Skills could have went to the ball. It got put in at the back post. Ali Johnson could have done better. Hart could have done better for, for the goal actually going in. But nobody says any of these things about the other boys. It's just Taylor was in the wrong and that's it. And he's made a scapegoat. When I when I was younger going to the games, Charlie McGrew was that boy. He, he, like every time he got mentioned in the first uh the first eleven, you'd hear groans around about the stadium. And then if he played terrible, it was oh Charlie McGrew was murdered again. And like I could go on and go on about all these certain types of players. I just think it's unfair sometimes. And I'll just call it like it is. Like you say, I, I defend Taylor, but he, he's 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 obviously not performed as well as he has done previously this season. I think he struggled a bit at the start of the season. Um, I don't know whether he was told to stay wide or not and overlap, and that's obviously not been his game previously under Ange, and he has been coming in field more, and I don't know if that's uh, an instruction for the gaffer. I'm assuming so. And um, I just feel like sometimes when we're getting caught out of position and, he, and, and that's the case, it's because we're pushing forward, um, looking for a goal, and he does a lot of good. I, I thought on Wednesday night, he put a couple of great balls over the top in that wing, similar to the one for Maeda when we scored um, against Atletico Madrid. Uh, there's a lot. I, I just think there's a lot of good stuff. And uh, like, by the way, I'm not saying that he's he's been playing nines out of tens every week. I just think it's a bit unfair to the criticism that comes his way sometimes. And I think we could do a lot worse than Greg Taylor left back. We could also do a lot better, but I think we could do a lot worse. I.e. Burnaby. <laughs> every time, every time. Look, that did. See the whole thing when I said he, he was going to be number one by Christmas, tongue and cheek, but that didn't mean it. That didn't mean it. Right, right. I mean, but is honestly, he Liam's. Song, he's what? He's bringing a song out, he'll be number one at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All I want for Christmas is to play for Celtic one time. <laughs> See the thing with skills as well, actually. We were talking about his position. I think, he's, I think his best position would probably be. The left side of a back three, because he's no need to cover as much, but he can also get forward and and he doesn't need to bomb down the wings, but he can be that ball playing centre half in the middle of a back three. So I, I would say that's probably his best position, but I wouldn't move him for where he is now. He's been magic. Nah, I do agree with that. And, and Gavin, obviously, Liam Scales won the penalty kick, and and Palmer, I stood up and he, he's kind of stopped all that pausey run up and stupid flamboyant things and just hit the penalty like he should, and he he put it away with a great finish and. I mean, Jed mentioned 
something there in, in, in regards to Palma. And this is my sticking point, Gavin. And look, it's not negative. He got the goal. It was fantastic. I mean, seven goals, I think, all season. Assists on top of that. Goal contribution and things, which, which is great. But my issue with him is he's very readable. Mm. And like, like Jed said, I think the Farnod right back he was up against just had a, a, ter- a terrific time of it because he knew he was cutting inside. He could show him down the wing. He wasn't beating him for pace. And yeah, you get the the, the moment of magic where he, he whips a ball and it's fantastic. And he, there's an assist there. And, and again, it's great. But do you get, I've seen a lot online recently as well about Palma just maybe not hitting the heights. Obviously, his numbers are great. But I mean, a full 90 minute performance, he's just not quite done it yet. Well, just to go back to your question, are you, are you saying it's good in spells? Is that yes, good in spells? Yeah, does points. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, I think there's an added pressure whenever you're a winger at Celtic. Um, Celtic, there's been a romanticism about wingers. I, I, I've always, when I when I was growing up in the nineties, that that's the kind of position I would look at. That was the entertainer for me, a right winger number seven, especially at Celtic. That's that's an iconic thing. Um, so there's probably a little bit more focus. I agree with you about the lack of pace. Like it's he is good at certain things. Um and, and, and pace is not one of them. He's not going to be able to do what what I think a winger should be able to do, knock a ball on and outpace the defender. Nowadays, so many people are athletes, you know. Um and, and it's it's kind of getting more difficult and difficult to do that against uh, your run of the mill opponents. He's brilliant with the ball at his feet. He can put the ball on a sixpence. He can rattle the ball off the underside of the bar and make the keeper look daft. Um, if we can play to his strengths, then we'll get the best out of him. I know that Rogers. I I I I, 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 I surmise that Rogers told him to mix it up. I think he said that if you keep going inside, the, the defenders are going to read you every time and they're going to outmuscle you. They're going to stop you before you've even thought about making that move. If you mix it up and go down the line, then you'll confuse them. However, he's not brilliant at going down the line. Um, but we're playing him as a winger. I'd imagine maybe in a couple of months' time, people might say, well, let's try him as a number 10, kind of like Hagsabanovic. I don't think he's as mm. bad as Hagsabanovic. I think he's better than that. I think he's definitely a grade above that. But we're going to we're going to learn more about Palmer. Do you remember Aidan McGeady? Whenever um, mm-hmm. he was he, he was never blessed with with pace, and he worked alongside the um, the sports scientist. I think it's Gregory Dupois. Sorry for me. Sorry for that that terrible pronunciation. But he managed. Oh, to don't keep... worry about that. <laughs> Stephen's the worst. <laughs> don't, don't judge my accents. <laughs> he managed to eke out an extra couple of yards for, for uh, McGeady in terms of pace. And he's spoken about that. I spoke about it in an open goal podcast where he, he he learned a lot. He benefited from that. Even if a player doesn't have much pace, there are there are um, measures that you can take with sports science to, to get that little bit extra. However, back to the other point, stamina. Um, no, he's not been doing it for a full 90 minutes. Um, the Champions League is another thing. That the intensity, nobody in our team are, are operating on that level for that intensity for a full 90 minutes. So it's it's understandable that some people are going to drop off. At one point at near in, in the, the second half, near the last 20 minutes or so, we looked, some of us were looking dead on our feet. Palmer, mm. of course, one Palmer came off. I'm not surprised at that. But maybe by the end of the season, we'll have a better understanding of how good this guy can be. Um, I So that's what I've got to say about him, mate. No, I, I get it 100%. And, and Willie, I mean, McGrandley comes in here... <laughs> 
Palmer, he's crap. Very straight to the point. But uh, I mean, I looking at it, like, <laughs> <laughs> looking at it, I mean, there's a lot of suggestions. Alzer Jack Plums McNugget saying Tremon number ten. Can you see that rule developing? Obviously, when we get Mieta back, Abada back, there's a lot of competition for the wings again. And like Gavin said, you can maybe try in that Haxabanovich hybrid type nine role where you're dropping in, creating space and, and doing that sort of game. Can you see a change in this game? Are you happy where he is at the moment? I, I get that. I do get it. And I think he would probably do a job because he, he probably is that kind of that Chris Commons type player. Uh, he's, yeah. not blessed, he's not blessed with pace, but he's got a great strike on him and, and delivery and all the rest of it. But I don't think we I don't think we really play a number 10. And when Hatati's back. Like, who are you going to drop at that midfield three? You, you, for me, you can't drop any of the three of them and Cal Mack, Katati, and um, O'Reilly. So, and also, I think he, if he was to play there, he'd be taking up the sort of spaces that O'Reilly's been doing this year. And, and I mean, the guy's going to win Ballon d'Or next year, so you can't be doing that either. But uh, I understand. Like, I, by the way, his numbers are unbelievable. He's been excellent since he's came in. And he, like, he obviously is still young and learning his trade, and I think Rogers will, will work wonders with him. Uh, he's another project player. That he, <laughs> uh, well, he come on. <laughs> um, and it, it does frustrate me with the fact. I mean, I'm the I'm. You know me, mate. I'm always like, kind of. I don't, I don't like to sort of criticize. Um, and I, I like to give guys a chance, and he's been magic. But it does frustrate me at times with the fact that um, he doesn't hit the line. I mean, I say that as soon as the first two or three games I seen him, I was like, he's hit the byline once um, mm-hmm. in three games, uh, and, and I do feel he needs to mix it up. Some people would argue that he's his ability uh, when crossing the ball is that he doesn't need to do that because he just rolls out his feet and gets the ball in, and I would agree with that as well because he's got a fantastic delivery. I just feel like he does need to mix it up with that. That coupled with the fact that. Greg Taylor plays an inverted. <laughs> I mean, if we had somebody that's lapping over him, if we had like a KT type player that's lapping over him every time, it wouldn't be an issue because he's dragging defenders away and we've got that width. But because they're both coming inside, it's kind of leaving, like, it's, 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 it's easy for the fullbacks or defenders on that side of the game. But, um, like, I'd, I'd, like I say, I don't want to criticise because I think he's been fantastic for us. He's obviously got a lot to work in his game. Um, and definitely for me as... Uh, he does need to mix it up and hit the byline once uh, now and again. Uh, but yeah. I, like I say, he's been excellent. So, I, and I, I, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing him number ten personally. I would, I'd like to. I'd, if anything, I'd actually like to maybe see him on the right because it means that he's got the overlap yeah. Johnson and his delivery is brilliant. So he can get it out his feet and deliver it for the right hand side. But that's obviously not what they want, and and you do miss that him cutting inside because he's lethal. Um, we're getting shots away as well. He's, he's obviously shown it so. You do miss that as well. So, but um, I mean, there's a lot you could do with him. He's, he's, he's a good, good, great talent. People says, <laughs> <laughs> "Shut up, Alistair." <laughs> um, he's a, he's obviously a great talent, and he's 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 definitely quality. So, um, I I've been pleased with what I've seen from him. Yeah, I mean, Jed, you said it at the start there. You notice it straight away that he didn't get past the fullback, and and, and Willie rightly said there he has been magic. I I do agree, and and again it sounds contradictory of myself trying to sell us and put it together, but I think we do agree in essence that he's frustrating. And I, a guy who came on was, was Mitchell Frame, 
And Paul McFarlane with a funny one here. Mitchell Frame needs to play against Hearts because of because of we're not on cue, we're snookered. Good word play. I really like the Paul. But I mean, there's Sam Fran start frame in the story. He he came on the left hand side, but I think by trade he, he's a left back. And I, I have seen him play in two or three games in youth level. Okay, before Franny comes on to me and says I haven't seen him, but he played in that youth cup final and a couple of developmental games as well. And he looks he looks very direct. He looked pacey and when he came on. One thing he did straight away was take on the right back and get a, a terrific ball in across the face of goal. Something Palmer didn't manage really all night, albeit he got the goal from a penalty kick. Are you that frustrated with him where you'd be like, take him out, put him back in? Like what like we done with Abada very early on. He was still getting goals, by the way, but we were dipping in, in and out substitute appearances, starting and kind of building his confidence up that way. Or are you just like, well, he does maybe a wee change of position and see, see what he can do on the right? To be honest, Stephen, I don't like, I hate slagging Celtic players, but I feel them. The older I'm getting, I'm getting worse. Honestly, <laughs> you're, I'm, you're good at it, to be fair. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I actually look in the mirror and think, yeah, fucking work with yourself, <laughs> But I like Palmer. I think it was just, like I say, I was just the way I was on Wednesday night, I was frustrated and it was annoying me I wasn't getting past the guy. I mean, I was even shouting at the ball boys. I mean, come on. I was just, I was taking out everybody the other night, so I was. But no, I, I do want to be, there's definitely a player there. But at this precise moment, we've got no other options. He's going to have to play. He's going to have to play. I mean, I, I hope he comes on and becomes a superstar and proves me wrong. I'll be more than happy with that. So, in, ter- in terms of Palmer, think, yeah. Yes, yeah, I, there is a player there, but... I think Gavin's bang on, Jed. I think even you more so than us, you'll have seen even more. Um, like, the classical Celtic way was, like, wingers and getting yeah. it wide and beating men, and he's, he doesn't do that. Uh, we've had it growing up. You've obviously seen even better players on the wing for us, um, and he, he just doesn't do that, and I, I think that's something we need to... But what we right. see when he came, he came over. Was he playing on the wing for his previous club, or was he playing in yeah, the number ten? He was club? a left winger for for Aries, is the Aries or something in the the Greek league? Yeah, so he was. Stephen, can I ask you a question? What your thoughts on this would be? Like, see Greg Taylor in terms of the the hierarchy of our dressing room. Greg Taylor's quite quite high up. He's one of the top trainers. I think he's like. Like the, the second teacher's pet next to Callum McGregor, a really good trainer. Um, he's got a great attitude, and he's just a really popular guy. If you listen to him in interviews, he's he's quite a likable guy. Yeah. However, the mm-hmm. the glaring, the glaring thing, and I get where Jed is coming from. Don't like to, to sag off Celtic players, uh, but there's a glaring a glaring deficiency here where he has been shown up at the highest level. So, mm-hmm. Stephen, what do you think would be the kind of the effect if Brendan Rodgers took him out and put in? Burnaby off frame. Do you think that would cause like kind of like fractions in the squad if that happened? Well, if it caused fractions in, in, in the squad between senior players, and that's absolutely pitiful in my opinion. They should be big enough and, and old enough to deal with chains. They're, they're paid a handsome amount of money. And if you're not pulling your weight, you shouldn't be in the team. And like I'm not saying that Greg Taylor isn't doing that. There's also a lot of suggestions in the comments about frame. We've only seen 15, 16 minutes of uh, first team action and he looked decent. The, the thing with, with that whole situation is like Taylor knows he doesn't have a challenge, right? Taylor knows that effectively that position is his unless a catastrophic 
something happens or he gets injured, he's out for a long period of time, then you have to kind of scramble and get somebody in. But if rumours are led to believe we're after a Portuguese at, at left back, there was a Dutch left back being touted around the day from, I think it was FC20, can't remember their names, but apparently Stephen McGowan confirmed this. He's a, a reliable source. But in, in, in terms of the Mitchell frame, it's got a lot of people talking. It could it be the Kieran Tierney effect? You know, I mean, you don't know these things. Kieran Tierney came in off, off, after an Izagiri injury, and he, he made that position his own. Izagiri wasn't to be seen again, really, in a Celtic shirt, only when he had to kind of play a bit part role. And things like that can happen. But again, just to reiterate, I'm not saying that for a second. I'm happy enough with Greg Taylor staying where he is at the moment. Like, Willie, can we do again. better? Can, what? We'll barely see him again. He did all right when he came on, but... Like, see if Tilio came on and did exactly what he did, nobody would be raving about Tilio today. It's just because he's he's a young boy, he's came up through the youth, everybody's excited that he's another one. That's, but like, if Tilio came on and, and did what he did, chased it, beat one man once and hit the byline and then played fairly solid six out of ten and tracked back, nobody would be screaming about him today. It's only because he's one of our own. We'll not see him much I mean, this season, in my opinion. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people in the camp, like Trap Taylor, maybe he'll step up his game. People are Thinking he's he's off form. I don't think he's been that bad. I just I I, I see the deficiencies in his game. I think that's obvious to see. But to kind of leave that the one side, I do want to talk about Celtic within the game. Uh, Willie and Jed said it was one of our worst performances. I, I don't necessarily agree. I thought we were controlled. We were measured. We were we were playing well. We didn't panic like Gavin said at the start of the podcast. We didn't concede a silly goal or a penalty kick. We seen more mature in our performance, picking the right opportunities to go forward, picking the right moments to defend well. And I thought overall, if you kind of Put it into one perspective. I thought we played really well and got the victory that we deserved. Yeah, we grinded it out. I get where Jed's coming from because like we did right ride our luck. I think going in at half time, one up, we were pretty lucky. They had two or three chances right before half time mm. where they probably should have scored. Uh, Joe Hart was tremendous as well, by the way. He he pulled off some brilliant saves for us, kept us in the game. Um I, I think for the goal we conceded, we it was just so easy again. Um Everybody standing, staring about, looking at each other. And it, one simple ball got through like three players and at the back post. So I, it was poor, poor again. But it was a really well ground, ground. We grounded it out, and I'm really pleased we came back and we got that goal at the end because I know we'll go on to that after the the, the winner. But um, previously in the Champions League, we've been fairly comfortable or or even dare I say it, like in the ascendancy or, or the, the far better team and then that sucker punch comes with a silly goal mm. that we lose and the heads go down and the, the, the result goes the other way but thankfully for us this time round that wasn't the case and um, the, the crowd were excellent as well, they were absolutely it was electric when, when uh, Lager scored too, so I no, really really pleased um, I, I don't think we were at our best, like I said I think uh, in the campaign Jed said it as well, like the, against Lazio, especially. Um, even that the the, the fire of the, the the first game in Rotterdam and and the games the first game against Atletico, I thought we were we played far better than we did and didn't get the result. But I mean that's football. Um, I just just pleased to to grind out that result. I thought I thought we were good, but <laughs> we we rode our luck at times. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And Gavin, you referenced it, and that they scored their goal through Minty, I think it was, in the 82nd minute. And usually then you, you can write the script and you can say, do a Lazio conceding it in the 96th minute, and you'd be like, ah, oh, same old, same old. But before we come on, to that, obviously the, the winning goal, and it was a fantastic bit of play by Celtic at that point, I thought 
during that period of, of time when they were kind of rallying and coming against us, that we stood up and were counted like of scales, like a I don't mean Taylor, like that. AJ Fall Alzer Johnson was fantastic fantastic. I thought he was getting in about it, a goal line clearance basically. Thought Joe Hart was brilliant. And like Paul McFarlane, I didn't think I'd ever say that again, but I thought he kind of rolled back the years and he made some fantastic saves for us not to be beat quite easily, to be fair. But what did you what did you take away from that game in terms of performance and just the, the difference in attitude and, and maybe mentally as well? One irony that I found with the statistics, and I'm not one for statistics, McGinty is your man for that sort of thing, is see in uh, the, the, the previous home games in the Champions League against Lazio, against uh, Atletico, we had the superiority in terms of possession. This game was the other way around. We were um, we had the minority possession, but yet we still win. Um, I, I was thinking at times like... In the games, like if we never had bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. But somehow, somehow we managed to get the victory. Some people might say we were the better team that night. I'm not too sure, but we did, we did stand up for ourselves. We kind of um, played as a team. Um, another thing I was thinking of was when I went into the game, one of the first times I ever remember where London Road was kind of um, cordoned off. Uh, by the police, when I was trying to walk to, to my seat, I couldn't get through. I had to double back and go the other way. That was because of the travelling support. I think they took a full allocation, the, the, the fine old fans. And whenever I got into the stadium and I, I turned around and I looked at them, I'm like, they better not outsing us tonight. I hope that they don't put us like uh, to shame. And I don't think they did, despite their numbers. I was really, really glad of that. And I think that we were the kind of the 12th man on the night. Another cliche, forgive me. But I think that really, really galvanised the team. And that might have been one of the massive factors. And I was actually getting the, um, the, the the stoppage time winner. The man who the man who scored the goal, Lagerbielka, like, you, you couldn't really write that. Um, but again, he comes in from the cold. Another player comes in from the cold and, and he scores. Brilliant, fantastic. I don't know if he's going to make a Celtic career out of that. I don't know if he's going to kick on. But it was amazing, um, and, and I, I said at the start from an entertainment point of view, it, it was brilliant. Um, there, there were a few worrying things like in the game, like like even in, in the, the first half, a water comes off in like the 18th yeah. minute, and I was thinking, fuck, that's our game plan, um, like ripped up. Cal McGregor, the creative force, is now going to be going back to number six. We bring on Bernab- uh, uh, Bernardo. Bernardo, for me, is a bit of a, a grey man. I don't know what he's good at. He's... It doesn't he's have, in the dark, in the shadows, does operating. Exactly, exactly. Like, like Palmer, you know what he's not good at, you know what he's good at. Bernardo, he's just, I don't know. I don't um, even know what position he plays, to be honest with you. <laughs> he's like that He's like that boy at the five of sides that just doesn't he mark a man, he just chases doing every single ball and just runs about like a heedless <laughs> chicken. I don't yeah. understand where he plays yet. Yeah, like he's favoured over home. I get that just because of a little bit of physicality. However, I think home has got a little bit more technical attributes I agree. Bernardo does. So I get it, but it changed the game plan because we thought Cal McGregor, brilliant, he can drive the play, he can go forward, Quata mm. can show things up, we can hatch it, man. It changed very, very early on, but we still kind of fought through that. And that that that's whether you get, give the credit to Rogers, whether you give the credit to the players combined, I, I don't know, but we that that, that was the, the, the one hurdle, the one adversity that we came through, the first adversity in the game that we came through. Um and again, I went kind of swings and roundabouts. I remember uh, final day, they had a goal that was chopped offside. And that, although like, we were happy as fans, we were like jeering them because it was like, oh, it's offside. But that, 
that got their confidence up. And again, that was another thing that we had to deal with. But it was it was a tough one, like a roller coaster of emotions. The players went through a lot, a lot of adversity, but we got there in the end. And sorry, I was going to say about Kyogo. Our talisman, he was isolated. He, he wasn't getting the service which he normally gets. Like, albeit he scored two goals in this campaign, he never did that in the previous uh, Champions League season. And we were thinking that's something that you have to do. He's proven it, but he never got the chances on the night. And I was feeling sorry for him. And then O comes on, O does a different thing. Um, he, he tries to win the, the, the second balls and stuff like that, win as a free kick, gets further up the park. We needed that. Kyogo wasn't, the game wasn't tailored for Kyogo at that point. But I think all in all, I'm probably waffling right now, but all in all, Rogers no, and no. the team, they did really, really well. Aye. One thing, uh, Gavin, you'll get used to in this podcast, we waffle a lot and we never tire of it. So just get stuck <laughs> in and waffle all you want. But I mean, Jed, you look at what, what Gavin said there, and rightly you said it wasn't our best performance, fair enough, but we did come through a lot of things, a lot of tactical changes within the game. Bernardo will come on, we weren't necessarily prepared for that. Wells came in for the cold. Maggie Johnson was starting. So basically, it was a Fred Bird team. And it kind of, you look back at Rotterdam, and I think if we kept the players on the pitch, could we have got a draw or maybe a win there? You never know. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Do you know I mean? But I think, as Gavin said as well, and, and Willie rightly said, it, it was a good team performance. And something, a Champions League win can maybe kick us on and hopefully next year capitalise on that. Yeah, I mean, just something about what Gavin said. Kyogo, where I sit, I've got a great view. The runs that he was making, and his teammates didn't see, didn't didn't see it. And again, that's what was I was getting frustrated about. And this is where I think he's really missed Maeda and Abada. Hmm. He's really right. missed it. I mean, he's trying. I mean, like you say, you mentioned Devil Stephen. I think it was a through ball from Scales, but it came to mm-hmm. his his left foot. And on, I was saying, if that was the other side, we probably had a better chance. But that was the first time that a ball went over the top. He made the run. Scale seen him making the run. But during the game, he was making loads of runs. And his teammates never seen it. Never seen Jed, it. Jed, Jed, see what you're saying there? Sorry to, to kind of talk over. No? Mm-hmm. See, whenever Kyogo does that, I, I totally get where you're coming from. When you're in the stadium and you watch him make the run, and he telegraphs his run, but and, and it's 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 a, a usual Kyogo run, but it's immediately met with like size from the crowd because we see it, and I think some of our defenders and midfielders see it, but they don't have the confidence to execute the pass. And I just feel, God, I wish we had a player or two who could. It's kind of like whenever we signed Robbie Keane, and Aidan McGeady was the only person who could kind of dovetail with that quality. I don't know if we've got anybody who's got the perfect pass, the perfect eye to execute those passes. But Gavin, runs. would you not say that's more of, I mean, you mentioned the play of Palmer's strengths, would you not say that's more of a tactical issue? Because last year it was fine. Kyogo was banging them in left, right and centre. And effectively, yeah, effectively, if you... If, yeah, uh, but 100%. But also, also the midfield was providing assist too. So Kalmak, O'Reilly, they were doing the same things effectively. But what I've noticed with Rogers is, Gavin, that... Maybe the style isn't as cutthroat where you're making them kind of forward passes all the time. You're trying to penetrate the front. It's always, what's that, the horseshoe, the, the funny thing that people say now? So you're going from right to left, left to right, trying to open up the space kind of more slowly and more patient. Do you not think that's the issue with Kyogo that, in that way? I, I, no, I totally get what you're saying. So the chances that Kyogo got, it was because our, our ball distribution was top heavy down the left flank and the right flank. 
and the fullback would be overlapping, and it would it would free up somebody to 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 ping in the ball from the left or from the right, and Kyogo would just do a, a one touch finish. That was that was the, the strength of Kyogo, just a one touch finish. Um, however, I'm actually talking about the horseshoe style. Whenever the the ball is getting played from the back, going from left to right, occasionally might go to midfielder. Whenever we're doing that in the opposition, I kind of like thinking there's no danger. That's the moment where Kyogo is running behind the defender. And when you're watching it back in, in, in the stand and you're seeing these runs, that's the moment where you think if we had like a, a Xavi Alonso or something, somebody like that. Christ, that's our Charlie Adam. Perhaps Charlie Adam. <laughs> if, if we had the type of player who could execute those passes, then it would... I would bring out more of what Kyogo's full repertoire is. However, last season, I totally agree that Ange's philosophy was the delivery from getting to the byline left, right, and Kyogo would, yep. would, would We're doing that less now. Totally get you. That, 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 that supply line has diminished. But it's the other thing. Whenever we're just passing it from the, the fullbacks to the fullback, that's when Kyogo's making the runs, and we should yep. be more alert to that. But I don't think we've got skilled enough players to execute those passes. I would agree with that, by the way. I think, and I, I, we have scored a couple of goals just off the top of my head. The um, Calmac played a brilliant ball the other week there for O, and when O shrugged yeah. off the boy and got in, and that's the type of ball I think Gavin remember talking about. He's bent it in behind the uh, behind the defence, and, and O's got in. And I, I totally agree with Jed and Gavin there. I think that's something we should be looking more of, but. I, again, you're talking about this horseshoe thing, and it's. I mean, the gaffer always talks about this um, resting with the ball, and um, I think that's maybe to the detriment of Kyogo because when we have got it, you, you, you are seeing this from right to back to bit. But I agree with Gavin. I think that's a ball we should be looking at more of. But again, with Kyogo is also you've all touched on it. It's just a winger situation. How many times have we seen him do that dart where he runs to the back post, then into the front post and gets a goal? But many our wingers are hitting the byline and, and drilling that ball across the front to the front post for him. Mickey Johnson's not doing it. Palmer's mm. always cutting inside. So I think I think a lot of the, I agree with Jed, a lot of the injuries that we've had, um it's shown in Kyogo's numbers. Obviously he's still scoring goals, but uh, his numbers aren't anywhere near and, and he's not seemed as 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 big an impact to the team as he was maybe so last season. And I think Ange always say I think I can't remember who said it. I don't know if it was Andrew, one of the players, but like there was a talk at halftime where he's where he was saying Kyogo's making the runs, just Nene is seeing it, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think that maybe that's maybe the case at the moment because I think we've got players of the ability. Kalmak can pick a pass, although he has one thing I would say about him on Wednesday night is some we could have been in two or three times and his pass was maybe just a bit too heavy. Um, but uh, I seen I seen a few of the the guys in the chat um, posting and saying that. Hatati's that my agree with my Hatati's been a massive miss. He finds these they sort of passes and, and finds their pockets. Uh, so he's been a big miss too. I think when these guys come back, I, I think you'll see Kyle go putting the ball in the back of the net more. But I totally agree with Gavin. That's something I think he's and, and Jed said it as well. The runs that he's making, the likes of Kyle Mack and that just maybe maybe just be a bit more direct and try and find that pass and get that run because that's that's his bread and butter. And if you if you get him in there, he'll put he'll put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. And Staying on the strikers for a minute, I know we're kind of going off topic, but which is fine, Ted. And we spoke about it a couple of weeks back. Obviously, there was links with, with Bojan Miofsky of um, Aberdeen, um, Sidney van Hooydonk of Bologna. So there's talks of strikers going to come through the door. I mean, if you look at Kugel's form, I think it's no goals in maybe six or seven games. 
Oh, it has found a net, but again, he, he's proven extremely inconsistent. So we need that kind of a forward he's going to come in and score. And I agree with Willie. Once we get the, the, the winger sorted out and back in again and Atate back, you'll see the net balls more regularly from Kyogo. But do you think there's a call for maybe that third striker to come in or even someone to come in and take the jersey off Kyogo and O? Well, let's stick up for Kyogo as well. I, of course, yeah. I think, he, I think he's going to score tomorrow. Uh, I'm confident he's going to, going to get a goal tomorrow. If we definitely need another striker because we've got the, the Asian Cup coming up. So yep. we'll definitely need another striker. Now, I know making comments myself the last few weeks, the Aberdeen player, Mioski. Yeah, I personally think he's worth a punt. But we don't know. I mean, you could bring in Van, Van Hoydonk. He's never played in Scottish football. Like, every... every Transfers are a risk, whether we buy them for a pound or ten million pound. Every one of them's a risk. So, but we need to get, we need to, we need to bring someone in, because what happens if a Kyogo gets injured or O gets mm. injured? It's putting all the pressure on one guy to keep doing it. You can't do it. And I've said as well about Callum McGregor, the guy. I personally think McGregor needs a wee, a wee break. The guy is constantly playing. But we will never drop him because he's a talisman, he's a captain in the club. But I personally feel he does need a wee break to take some of that pressure off him. The guy just runs all the time. Marathon, and, man, it, and, and you can see with some of his passing even the other night, he's made mistakes. The crowd are getting on his back as well. I just I just feel that now, yeah, I feel it myself, I'm a wee bit negative tonight and I'm trying not to be. I just think... The supporters on a whole are negative because of the what's going on within the club, with the the Green Brigade, with the boys all boycotting. As Gavin said earlier, you know when when I seen their support as well, not even the official weigh-in, it was packed out, but they were all over the place. The fans, and I thought, oh God, this is going to be a library tonight with us, but it wasn't. We did. We did get behind the team, and I. Sorry, I've just went off a wee bit of a tangent because that's been bugging me for a wee while. <laughs> no, the of crowd. Let it all out, mate. Let it all out. We need to get behind the team, big time tomorrow, big time. If Hearts yep. go first, we have to get behind the team. So yeah. yeah. I totally agree. There was there was obviously rumours about the Green Brigade coming back and all, but that seems to be all kind of hush hush at the minute, Calvin. But kind of staying away from the, the fan side of things. But Jed does make a good point in regards to that it does feel a bit flat at times. And you you look at Kyogo and the reference Bojanovski, Sydney Van Hoy. Think would you be against the new striker coming in, or would you be all for it? Uh, it's a difficult one. Look, we only play with the one striker. We need to remember that. Now, are we? Are we able to 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 host three separate international three separate international strikers in our squad? Is that is that achievable? And how healthy is that? Um, and if you bring in like a, a third striker, Majewski, like I've heard the rumor that we might have to break the Scottish transfer rumor between yep. clubs if we have to do that. I just don't know. I don't know. Um, I think he's at a decent age. He's got a good height about him. Uh, there's the other... I guess the question is, do we want to bring in a third striker? Not specifically Majewski. But 
if we're going to bring in a third striker and we're going to spend good money on him, is he going to enhance the squad? Now, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm okay with bringing in a third striker if he's going to give us a different option. Um, like, do you remember Chris Kellen? He was a different option. Chris Kellen had a good season at Hibs. I think he scored over 20 domestic goals for Hibs, but he came in and he was awful. Um, that's the risk that you take. Like People might have like a, a, a brilliant season and then we'll be spending good money and we're like, oh crap, we're, we're left with a numpty. Um, but again, the international thing, if we're going to buy quality, can we have three international strikers on our books when we only play one? And up until just before this, well, prior to this season, Kyogo was always going to be the first name in the team sheet. Kyogo yep. never did anything wrong. It was Jack and Marcus who'd be coming on in the hour mark, and he was still getting the goals. But Kyogo, he never did anything wrong to get dropped. So say he might manages to rediscover his form, then the third guy who comes in, uh, he's not going to get a game. Um, there was a player, I was reading an article the other day about a player who... Christ, they went to Mitchelland. Mitchelland signed a player that we were linked with. Somebody will know in the comments. Uh, oh, yeah, the Korean guy. The Korean guy who got the two goals in the World Cup. Yes, 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 yes. He spoke to um, G Park Song, who played for Man U, and he spoke about where he was. And G Park Song recommended go to a European team who, who's going to play you, not just follow the wages. And that's exactly what he did. He knew he went good getting ahead of Kyoko. He's now playing for Mitchelland and he's getting the game time. So... It's a kind of, it's, it's a catch-22. Um, we want to get a, a third choice. We want to get some diversity uh, for, for, for a third striker, but is he going to get a game time? I don't know. Maybe we should get rid of O and bring in a proper player. I don't think O is ever going to be your main number nine at Celtic. So I guess my that's my answer in a nutshell. No, again, I don't, I don't. I disagree with the old thing. I think there's a, a decent player in there, but he does need to show it on a consistent basis. We've seen what he can do, the goal against Hibs and the way he brushed that defender aside. So he has a physical aspect this game and also he's good at kind of the running. And well, again, inconsistency is his only issue, in my, in my opinion. But Willie, a sound fan there, bringing a marquee loan stringer. Go, go ahead, sorry. Do you not think, again, maybe old-fashioned, do you not think we could play with two up front? Of course we could, but Rodgers won't do it. If, if he was going to do it, he would have done it by now. He's done it in bits of games where you're near the end and maybe you're chasing something. That's fair enough, but he but hasn't really is, started is he with, him with a 3 5 2 or... he, he could be doing that because he doesn't think Kyogo no can be that two up front. Maybe by bringing in another striker, hmm. that could be an option. It could be, because I know at the end of his Leicester City days, he was playing Inacho and Fardy up front as a two, wasn't he? But he was playing 3 5 2 with them, so... He has flexibility, Willie, and, and Jed's right. You have to be open to change formations, change in styles, and suit different games and different patterns of play. That's fair enough. But in my opinion, we're all talking about the first striker here. And look, again, that's what people th- think we're looking to bring in. But for me, I'd be looking to bring in a striker who's going to be first choice, a quality player, instead of getting someone else to sit in the bench or fill a gap in the squad, because it's bloated enough. And even John Kennedy said today in, in his... Uh, is a press conference that they need to trim the squad in January and that's what they're going to do because it's too bloated and they need to manage it better but I would be off the opinion if we're going to go into the, the, the transfer window sign a player a striker who's going to come in and just take the jersey and, and start as number one I absolutely Jake Majowski that player mm-hmm. no but this is what I'm saying this is what this is my opinion no, I, I'd be saying, looking... I, thought, I thought you said you would take Majowski that's why I was asking just I, anything that, on the three million because that's my 
But is he going to challenge Kyogo for that first team shot? I don't know. This is why I don't. I just don't get it because on on every one of your podcasts, all over social media, all I see is your fans complaining. You know how many people I've been arguing with on this podcast about everybody's complaining, and they've always got this figure in their head where it needs to be six or eight million, right? I don't care what we spend. I just want a quality player. I don't care if we spent one million on Kyogo or a hundred million on him. He's quality. So it doesn't matter to me the figure of the fee. That, that that's one thing that annoys me. But all these play, all these people are saying we need to bring in quality. We need established European players, whatever that is. How are you meant to find that? We we need to find this player, this black player, and then all these people I'm seeing on social media are also. I, I would take Majowski, but he's he, he's not going to strengthen our first eleven. Nobody can tell me he's going to strengthen our first eleven. Not he's he's not a better player than Kyogo in my eyes. I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. So for me, I, like, I wouldn't be looking to bring him in. I, and I personally think that if, if O was at Aberdeen, for example, I think he'd be posting the same numbers as Majowski. I think he's just as good a player as he is. Um, he just doesn't play as much. And as often in the, in the league, I honestly think if he had a run of games, he would be posting similar numbers if he played for a team like that. So I don't think he's even an upgrade on our second choice striker. So for me, I, I wouldn't be looking personally. The, the only thing is, Jed's mentioned that this Asian Cup's coming up. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's a strange one for us this season because personally, I don't think we have a massive issue in the striker department at the moment. And I know like pre-season and, and even at the start of the season, O wasn't even getting a sniff because when um, Kyogo was coming to the side, he was pushing Maeda up front. He was, he was playing as, as a striker. Um, so that's another option. So when all the guys are fit, I I don't think we've necessarily got an issue in that department personally. Um, that's not to say we can't improve. If, if there's somebody out there that's coming in and he's going to battle Kyogo for that shot, then yeah, absolutely, get him in. But for well, me, not a player. Do you think that, I've seen a lot of arguments online again, do you think we're reading too much into the fact that Rogers prefers a physical striker? Like Dembele, Edward, Iannaccio with Leicester. Do you think that's, yeah, a lot of, I've mean, seen a lot of comments saying that that's maybe what he's, what he's looking for, in, in essence? But Vardy wasn't that. Yeah, I get, yeah, again. Yeah. And like, so, no, I don't understand that. Nah, I'm, I, nah, I'm not having that. <laughs> and I, like, I see when you're talking about the two up front as well, um, you say they went to three five two. For me, recently, because we've had so many injuries and we've lost pretty much all our wingers, I thought that was something that you maybe look at with with a Taylor as a left full back and uh, either Johnston or Ralston as a right full back and, and playing a two up front. And I think actually Owen Kyogo would be perfectly suited as yeah. a two up top. It's more the physical presence and then the wee nippy man. It's pretty back, pretty much back to the nineties. The wee nippy man that makes the runs and gets the flick ons and knows the big physical presence. So I would actually be interested to see that. Um, but what did you just ask me there? <laughs> oh, the, the belly, the physical striker thing. Yeah, no, I don't think that's necessarily a thing. I think he. I actually think. I actually think it's the opposite. I think he prefers somebody that that stretches the defence and likes to look to get their runs in behind, like Vardy did. And. Um, so I don't see that, but I. So for me, I don't think it's an issue. I'm not keen on, I'm not keen on loan signings unless it's a view to buy and they're going to improve the team. But yeah, but with the Asian Cup coming up, I think it may be something we can we need to look at if we can't get somebody to come in. I wouldn't be wanting to spending money on a Mayovsky who's going to come in 
and play a bit part here and there, and then we're selling them in a year or two times. Like Gavin said, we've we've done it many times before. Like Chris Cullen's a perfect example. Um, I just don't think he improves their first eleven. And I, for me, if you're not going to buy somebody that's going to push the other players on and improve the eleven, then I, I I don't see why you you make that signing. And Gavin, I seen you kind of trying to jump in there. Have you anything to add to that before we move on? There was a couple of points. Like what you said was, like, what if we buy the third striker, but it's not for the intention of him being the third striker, it's for the intention of him being the first striker. That's a bit of a game changer, and I, I totally get where you're coming from. So if we're willing, if we're open to the possibility of selling Kyogo and bring it to spending decent money on a number nine, then okay, I get you. But the other kind of counterpoints I was going to make was if we had really good money to spend on a player, which we obviously do, we just haven't pulled the trigger yet, should we be doing that on a number nine or should we be developing another position in the squads? And the other thing was I've just got this kind of nagging uh, thought that Rogers doesn't like having a striker who has a monopoly on the goals. I think he likes to spread the goals around. That's what he's trying to implement, that change in style. And that's why Kyogo has not been as, as potent as what he has been under Ange, because Ange loved depending on Kyogo. Like Ange was right, but Rogers is right as well, because if Kyogo gets injured, then we're up shit creek, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Jez just jumped out. I think he's jumping back in here, give him a wee second. But, I mean, looking at it there, Jed, coming to you just to kind of round off the game, if we, if we bring it back to that, O'Reilly and, and Gustav Lagerbjerg, he, he came on again in the cold, as, as Gavin rightly said, and you thought it was offside. What I do want to talk about as well is it does that bit of play up to it. It was a corner kick. It was basically wasted. Went out, Alistair Johnson whipped it back in. O'Reilly with a fantastic touch, took it past their player, and he played a sublime ball, by the way. He just kind of flicked his foot, and it went over the, their, their defender's head, and Larg Belt was in the, the right right space at the right time. And we finally won a Champions League game. But the, one of them ones, we done what Lazio did to us, but the Farno, didn't we? And it was just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, obviously delighted when it and. And like I said earlier, we had uh, some Feyenoord fans round about us and I says to them, don't worry, you'll get an equaliser. And they actually <laughs> turn around and says, no, we won't. No, we're not going to, you're going to win. So I was quite surprised. So they obviously were doubting their strikers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like I said earlier, when the goal went in, because there was nobody near Lagerbjerg, I thought, oh, he must be offside. So I'm looking at the lines when they see if he's got his flag up. So it's this delayed, you can't celebrate until you you know everything's okay. But no, just delighted that we, we got the result. And especially for Lagerbielka, because let's be honest, Rogers is it's kind of threw him and the Rocky under the bus a little bit in the he last has. few weeks. Yep. Which you know, I don't like get up. Yeah, I've been slagging players all night, but it's, <laughs> you, know, you don't, you don't like doing it, Jeff. Come on, you love it. I know. I but I, the clubs I've got them in the, in my heart, you know, has these players. No, they haven't. So but there's the difference. You know, I feel I can call me not that they they can't. But just delight, delighted that he got the result. And I would actually play him tomorrow. I would actually play yeah. him tomorrow. I think as well, what, what was what, what was quite telling, Willie, was he got on, Larga Belt got gone before Nat Phillips, I think. 
you can basically count his days down to the, going home to Anfield in January. He's probably not going to feature much going forward. But, I mean, Welsh came in from the cold, cold start over him. And then Largavelt, who was questioned attitude-wise in training, came in and got his goal. And, I mean, Gavin said something that that's kind of stuck in my mind. He doesn't think it's going to kick on a Celtic career. What, what I would say to that, Willie, is he played on the back two of Scales and Largavelt at Ibrox. I thought they'd done fantastically well when we're on the pitch. He got... Swedish defender of the year. He got his first goal for the Swedish national team. And he might be a bit of a slow burner for us, but he's come on and he scored the vital winner. And obviously, like you said, future Ballon d'Or winner, Matt O'Reilly, was there with a, a perfect assist. Yes, mate. I mean, we kind of, in the group chat, the build-up all day, we were all excited for the game and we were kind of talking about how um, CCV was out and who was going to partner skills. And... Uh, well, most, I, I think pretty much everybody didn't want Phillips starting... And I actually, I actually wanted us to start with Lagabielka, and the reason for that is, um, even the money. <laughs> the The reason for that is, uh, I, I, especially in this game, everybody calls it a dead rubber. It obviously, wasn't mm. we needed to win the game, but I would much rather see us play. You know, one of your a guy that's came in that's a young prospect, that's um, obviously the Swedes are raging, are raving about him. And uh, I'd much rather play him in this game, let him build experience and see what he's got about him, than a guy that's going to go back to Liverpool in two months and sit in their reserves again. Um, mm. well, so wait, I, I've, I, got an I've got an appointment in Runcorn in January. I'll take him down. I'll even stop at the service to buy him coffee. I'll not take a penny off him. His, his, his agent must be Dynamo. I don't know how he's managed to get a, get a contract at Liverpool. I mean, he's obviously... I mean, it happens. Like Shane Duffy, obviously wasn't a bad player, but he came and had a torrid time at us. And 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 the big man's and he and he's had limited minutes. To be fair, but I totally agree. He's not. He's no. He's no um, performed for us at all. And I think he was. I think he was assigning to come in that that experienced player that everybody was wanting for the Champions League. Um, and it's not worked out that way. So a few years, I know Ross was talking about he would play. He would have played Lager Bielka as well. And it's just for mm-hmm. that reason. I don't want us to play this, and especially in that sort of game where it's not imperative that we win. Obviously, we, we needed a win, but it wasn't imperative. I'd much rather we play the guy that was the future of the club than a guy that's that's going to be sitting on in the reserves for, for Liverpool in a couple of months again. And um, when he came on, I thought, obviously, he got his goal, but there was a point where he pressed up on the right wing and went right through yep. the player and took the ball as well. And, and see, to be fair, whenever he's played, I... I, I I think he's done fairly well. I, I thought he was unfortunate to get sent off in Rotterdam. I still think it was he just blocked the player off. Um, Paul McFarlane's through the puns tonight. Hey, Ross will love that. He's Ross, good. He's Ross good. Loves like... a pun. Ross loves a pun. He should have been on tonight. Um, I, I was, I was very impressed. Um, I thought, he, I thought he did well, and I'd, I'd like to see a bit. All the centre halves we've got at the moment, if CCV's out, I'd like to see a bit more of this boy. Um, Saying that, I don't see the guys in training every day, and the, the gaffer does, so I trust him implicitly with his decisions. But hopefully, yeah. hopefully he gets a wee run on the side. Um, with regards to the goal, Matt O'Reilly has been absolutely sensational this season, by far and away the best player in the country, and it's not even close. Nope. For it to be at that point in the game, but obviously the tension's high, we need a win to get this monkey off our back. Nine times out of ten, a player when that ball comes over would have just drilled that right across the six-yard box first time. But he's got the awareness to just take it down. And then when they backlift, just dig that ball out perfectly at the back post, spot Lager Bielka. 
Um, Lagerbielka gets the, the plaudits for the goal, but it, it was all made by Matt O'Reilly. And uh, Matt O'Reilly ran at the other corner, kind of celebrated on his own. And he deserved it because he deserved all the praise for that goal. What a player. Um, yep. Magic goal, magic moment. Um, and what, what I would say about this as well, this is, this is again... I kind of feel like I'm arguing with all our fans all the time recently. But all I seen on social media after it was enjoy him while it lasts because he'll no be here long. And it's like, for fuck's sake, like you're wanting quality players and we've got one. And now you're saying, oh, he'll be away in two weeks. Do you know what I mean? It's like, fucking enjoy it. He's, he, he's loving his football here. Um, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. I've been wrong before. But see that mentality where it's just like, oh, well, enjoy it while it lasts because he's brilliant and he'll be away. But you're also wanting quality the club. I just I don't understand it. He's the been funny... magic this year. He's been he, he will and I think even if he gets injured tomorrow and he misses the rest of the season, he'll still win player of the year because he's been that good so far. Um but I in that moment, like I say, for him to hear that awareness, because I know for me, if that ball comes back across, I'm just drilling that as hard as I can towards goal and hoping it goes off someday. But he he stopped it dead, kind of sold the boy a dummy, and uh, I just dug it out to the back post, a perfect ball, and, and uh, finally we've got this one. Um, just yep. a magic, magic moment. Before, before before come to yourself, Gavin, I mean, the funny thing there, Willie, is you said, like, I agree, by the way, enjoy him while, while he lasts, and then people are going, he's going to get a club record fee, but for that fee to sit in the bank. <laughs> so, I mean, it's what people don't like is having money in this bank. So I mean, we all want it to spend. So I do get your comment from that front. But I do want to remind people. I want it. Just <laughs> keep him. Give him a 10-year contract, pay him what he wants. <laughs> but the, the endless sales advent calendar, we're on the 15th of the month. Can we guess who this player is? And a former number 15 for Celtic. So try and get it on, and I'll highlight the comment and bring it up at the end. And then also, as well, follow us on TikTok. There's more videos in this night. This is an old screenshot, so get in about it. We put up, Willie put up a video today of the goal. Let's have over nearly 2,000 views already, which is fantastic. So get involved with that. And then, Gavin, as, as Willie was saying there, I mean, the, the Matt O'Reilly thing, like, unbelievable assist. It's absolutely cracking. And then Gustav Largeville, I mean, he's played. In the games he's played, Celtic haven't lost, I'm sure I'm saying. And you were saying he don't see a future. Former Celtic and getting in the Swedish national team. He never said that. So, no, Gavin did. <laughs> no, Gavin, he, he said he's not sure that moment will like mean he's going to. No, be sure not, that's what I mean. Never said that's what I mean. Sorry, there. There you go, Gavin. Being corrected. Being corrected there. <laughs> but can you see him maybe pushing on and playing with either Carter Vickers or Skills? Uh, didn't we lose in Rotterdam when Lagabielka played? I would that he got sent off. At league games, I think. I don't know. But there we go. <laughs> this is what people are saying in the comments. Right? Uh, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> right, I think you could see him playing, like establishing himself and playing alongside CCV or skills. Uh, well, stranger things have happened. Um, I, I guess one perplexing thing is that I think he did he win Swedish Player of the Year. Uh, he's He's... He's, uh, he's actually been, I think he's been favoured over Carol Starfelt for the, the Swedish national team. So they, they, they've bet, obviously the, the international setup, they've got a better understanding of what he's capable of than what I do. So I'll give them that, um, which is not easy, which is not hard. Um, but is he going to make a career for himself at Celtic? What is he, about 23? 23. Yeah, I think, mate, aye. He's got the height. He doesn't look like he's got the muscle. Does he have the, the, the technical attributes? What I like 
my, my centre-back pairings is one guy who's just nasty as fuck and the other guy who can play about, who can maraud forward. I don't think we've got that, even with like, Scales and Cameron Cattle-Vickers, I don't think Scales has that marauding forward, kind of like, like Vidic and Ferdinand or another man you pair in Bruce and Pallister. It was a yin and the yang. I think that's very, very important. You don't want the same. I don't really know what Lager Belka has in the locker. It's very, very early days. And the other thing which is blinded me from his what he's got in the locker is the fact that he took a massive confidence knocker early on in his Celtic career, which you wouldn't wish upon anybody. We spent three million on him. He had he had a, a, a poor time at Ibrox, then he gets dropped. And the guy who you thought was the cheap Charlie, you know, um, Scales, has risen to the fore and he's outshined them. So I'm being harsh. And as Jed has mentioned earlier on, on the podcast, we, we want to give Celtic players the benefit of the doubt. Is he got a future at Celtic? Well, you know, at, at one point, Greg Taylor looked terrible and then he had a brilliant season for Celtic. And we're thinking, we're lucky to have this player. Thank God we stuck with him. It happens. Jackie McNamara at one point uh, became unfashionable just as Mark McNeil took over. But then after a couple of seasons, it, it, it came back into his own and you, you realise the worth of a player. It's probably too early to write him off, but I've written him off. And that's that's what we do. We, 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 we hype people up, we bring them down. That's how fickle we are as football fans. So there's no, I, I'm not writing this, I'm just... I don't know, mate. I don't so know. I was right. I'm basically right, Gavin, in a roundabout way. Take the credit. But I mean, Ted, obviously rounding off the European chat, we got the win. How would you rate Celtic's European campaign between A to D? What would you give it as a mark? Sorry, what what mark between A to D? A to D. I see. I see. Fair enough. Any reasoning behind it? Any any glimpse of, of hope for the future? Uh, we need more quality. Uh, I have said in numerous times or even making comments on the on this programme that I personally feel at this moment in time the Champions League is a massive step up and I think we really sh- really struggle um, I'm hoping that we got four points this year two points last year let's win the league this year and see where it takes us next year with the new the new Champions League set up uh, I do think we've got a hell of a long way to go we, we, you can see it the, the, the difference in class but by the way look at spending money doesn't doesn't guarantee anything look, look at Man United what they have spent this this season and they're finishing the same points as us we are a group that we would have bought your hands off to be in the, the group that they were in yeah so we just need to give rogers we need to back him and then if it doesn't work well the buck will stop at him because he will then he's brought in the players he can't blame lowell he can't blame anybody else because he he's going to agree to bring in these players so that's why I would say a C in the Champions League. Because yeah, that's the first. At this moment in time, it's it's a fantastic. I love going to the European nights. I love it. I just I think it's amazing. But I just feel at times it's a it's a step up, and 
I don't want us getting embarrassed like we did in, in Madrid. Yeah. Uh, you know that that's my only concern. You don't want you. We know ourselves. There's a lot better football teams than us in Europe. We think we're the best, but that's we're not. But you, you just don't want us getting a showing up. And I feel at times every season we do get a showing up by off one team in the Champions League. Yeah, well, that's a fair assessment. That I pretty balanced as well, Billy. Same same question to you, buddy, between A and D and your reasoning for it. Um, I would give us a C plus, just slightly more than Jed. <laughs> um, I is think that because Billy, is that because I never bought your pint when I seen you in the pub a few weeks ago? No, listen, you you offered me a pint every every three minutes, so it wasn't for lack of trying. Anyway, so that's not the case. Aye, absolutely, mate. Um, I I think. I think if, if a wee tiny bit of luck went our way in some of the games we're sitting here in the last 16 and with a depleted squad and I, I, there's a lot of negativity about the club at the moment and you would think with social media that we're, we're 20 points behind and we're having the worst season ever. Um, I actually think with the injuries we've had and the sort of squad we've got at the moment, I, I think we've done fairly well, to be honest with you. There's, I think, I think Tony posted in the, in the group chat with the, if you look at all the group stages right now, there's there's three teams that have qualified for the Europa League on four points, uh, and some yep. of the other groups. If that was the case, we'd all be sitting with smiles on our face right now, saying it's been a fantastic campaign. Unfortunately, we've not. Um, so you know what? It's these fine margins, and that's what it is at this level. Uh, I, I, I again, much the same as last season. Pretty, I'm proud of the team, but I'm disappointed because I feel like we should have got more points than we actually did. Um, but it wasn't to be. Uh, I'm glad we got that win on Wednesday. That's massive for us. I think. I think that will push us on this season. But I think with with what we've got at the moment, I think we've done fairly well. And see, to be honest, I, I actually still think the team's still trying to get trying to get used to uh, to. Ange, Brendan's style. <laughs> um, I still think we're, I still think we're not quite there yet, but I think once we are, once we've got people firing, once we've got some new signings in, and um, when Brendan's got another year under his belt, I, I really think they'll have the team firing, and I think it's I think it's positive for the future. I really do. I, I I'm sick of having the argument because people are like these are. You are rotten, and you haven't qualified, and you are this, and you haven't won this amount of games. But so many of the games that we've played in the last two seasons, it's it's little decisions, or, or it's a minute thing that's that it's, it could have been could have been a totally different story, and it's the same again this year. And I agree with with Jed. I think my United have spent like a billion recently in the last couple yep. of seasons, and they are rank rotten. So, and that that's again goes. I'm not going to get into it again tonight, but it goes back to my point about how like money doesn't it, like just because you're buying a player for ten million doesn't mean that he's, he's quality. I there's a better chance, and I do agree we need more quality in the squads. It's just like the gaffer's been saying. I just don't think it's as easy to do that. But I think um, I don't again. I mean, but I've been saying it for about three seasons. I don't think we're far away, and <laughs> we're in the same conversation. So you could argue again. Uh, but aye, it's it's one of these things. It's little little details and little decisions here and there. Like I say, if another group we make these four points, we're in the Europa League. It's not to be, unfortunately. But um, I think I think we can 
we can hold our heads high. And uh, I'm positive to see what happens the rest of the season. Hopefully, whatever's going on with the fans and the barco and everybody can get behind the manager and the team and uh, we can have a successful rest of the season domestically. And we'll go again next year and we'll have a good go again next year. And it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting because it's a totally different format. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how we go. Yeah, I mean, Gavin, I see from Jed, I see plus from Willie, good reason and balance behind it. But, I mean, if we look at what other, other people might say in their opinion, maybe, is cold hard facts are within his bottom of a group two years in a row, haven't qualified for European football. We're still saying the same old hard luck stories, fine margins, a goal here and there, a bit of rub of the green, which you do need, that's fair enough. Hasn't happened. So, effectively two years we've failed in Europe, in European football. We took a humping of Atletico Madrid, yeah, we finished some four points this season, which is great. Doubling our tally from last season. Could that, is that called progress? Yeah, we won a game. So effectively, you could say that, which is fantastic. But the other cynic of a supporter might say it's not good enough. And while he's talking about quality to get in the squad, people are saying Rogers is going to get it right, which I believe he will with it within time and, and, and reason. But he had, since he came in in June, he could have assessed that squad and, and seen where he needed quality. He's brought in these players, hasn't worked out. He's publicly stated attitudes are an issue. It looks like a couple of them new signings are going to go out the door on loan in January. So what what would you give the campaign, the European campaign between A and D? Okay, Andy, that, that's as confusing as like the metric system and the impedance A, system. B, C, D. A for Steven. good, B for decent, C for satisfactory, D for shape. Pretty straightforward. You're going to have to get used to this, Gavin, mate. Stephen just, he's he's on his own system and his own world. (laughs) He confuses the life out of us all the time, so. Right, okay, I'll I'll humour you, I'll humour you. Um, Well, let let me give you my thoughts and then I'll try to give a a, a rating at the end of it. Um, How do we grade this European campaign? Well, it's frustrating, Mm -hmm. frustrating, very, very frustrating. Now, we saw the momentum building with Ange. First season under Ange, uh, the, the Europa League, um, there was good points, bad points. Second season, we up the ante, we go into a higher competition, the, the, the top echelon of European football in the Champions League. And again, it's, at that point, we're, we're hearing we can compete at this level, but maybe not for the full 90 minutes. Um, we, we need to tweak a couple of things, get more experience. Um, get more quality, and then we can properly do it. But we were taking heart from the second season under Angela. Very, very well defined in the the first hour at home against Real Madrid. You know, very, very characterised in that that particular game. However, going into this season, we've had a change in manager. We've had a poor recruitment, very, very poor recruitment, compounded by injuries. And bottom of the group, yes, we've doubled our uh, point tally from two to four, but we're bottom of the group. Um, we've got over the hoodoo, which is brilliant, fantastic. I'm not overly concerned about that. I've got thick skin enough as a Celtic fan, not 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 to to be sensitive about that sort of thing about those jibes that you get in social media. But again, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We, we we've with the turnover, it's been really really poor, and. We should have won games where we ended up like taking a point we've lost games. So I think I'm going to have to give it maybe, I don't know, a, a C, a C minus. Um, I wouldn't give it a D. Like, the good thing is Kyogo has scored. He's demonstrated that he can score goals at this level. If you put him through, 
he'll score. Last season it didn't happen, but this season it has happened. But again, we've shot the bed with like, like discipline, um, ill-discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the injuries, I said that at the start, you can't legislate for that. Um, we, we bought a few players. We, we got rid of Jota. We brought in Palmer. Palmer's kind of, Palmer was daft enough to get suspension in the Champions League. That is bloody well daft. You'll learn from that. Um, Aaron Moy, a lot of people will, will, will like, wait till you get James on in this podcast, the Jungle Jumps podcast. He hated Aaron Moy, but Aaron Moy was really, really <laughs> calm under pressure. So, so did Stephen. We, we, we lost that composure as well. Get rid of Starfield, everybody. Like, he, he was, it was so popular to, to criticize him, but be careful what you wish for. We get rid of Starfield, bring in Norovsky, he gets injured. Liam Scales get promoted to the top of the class. You couldn't envisage that. Um, but what can you say? Um, overall, the experience of the group has diminished, I think. The, the, the European experience has diminished because of everything that's happened. So I'm going to give it a, a, a C minus. Um, aye. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. I've, you're a Celtic fan. You enjoy it. You, you hope for the best. And whenever we lose, you're like, oh, fuck, maybe next game. That's what happens. But uh, next season, we say it every year, but I, I guess the board the board need to contribute to this. They need to change something to stop us being mm-hmm. in this rut. But again, I, I don't even know if we're going to be able to automatically qualify for next next season in the Champions League. A totally different format. It'll be really, really strange to, to, to see that. But it's exciting if we can qualify it, qualify for it, and we'll see what happens. I think a big thing, sorry Stephen, just quickly, for me as well as like, like the continuity and consistency, if, like, I know a lot of the fan base are still to be won over, but I totally believe the gaffer when um, he talks about like he's going to be here for a long haul, and I hope so, because like the last season in the Champions League, we were buzzing for this season because of what Ange's done, and we're like, we're going to progress, Ange's here, going to do it again next year. But then he goes away, and it's like a, it's, we're almost in a rebuilding process again. To do that <laughs> during a Champions League campaign with injuries and everything else that's thrown at him, plus let's face it, the fractured relationship right now between a number of fans and the board and and the manager. Like there's still a massive, massive part of the fan base that still haven't forgiven the manager. They don't back him. So hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> The gaffer stays and he's, he's, he's successful for the next couple of seasons, and he can implement his style. And we get he gets players in that 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 suit that style, and we get that consistency. And when that when that happens, I I truly believe we've got a chance. We've got a chance to get through, um, and and get Christmas and get in, stay in the Champions League after uh, after Christmas. But I mean, football nowadays it's a fucking absolute merry go round, and it's it's difficult to get that consistency. We really thought last year. Coming into this year with a few additions to the team that we had and Andrews flying, that we would we would get a proper goal. And I truly believe in that group stage. For what I've seen for all the teams, obviously uh, discarding Atletico away, every other game we were well in. And obviously, I'm no I'm no Mystic Meg, and I'm no got I've got hairy balls and no crystal balls. But I would think that uh, I, I would I'd be willing to bet a lot. If I had a five pound three bet on bet three six five, I would bet that if if Andrews still here with that nucleus team with a few additions that we would have possibly been far more successful than we were 
Yeah, I mean, again, we'll never know that side of things, but I do agree with you. So I'm lo- looking forward to the new kind of format of the Champions League next year, guaranteed eight games. Roger seems confident, and I, I agree with Gavin to round it up. The board need to contribute to it and obviously back the team and back the manager with the targets he wants. But again, that's a discussion for what January. And, and what what would I give it? A D I come on. D D plus. D. Uh, he's giving it a fucking Z. I would give for the for the reasons being that it's a failure, I would give it a D. Over, I mean, two years in a row. We've, we've, I'm going to be honest. Like you have been that. Do you know what I mean it's for two years in a row? We finished last in the group campaign. We've been humped by Athletic and Madrid. It's the same old story. It never changes. Yeah, we won against Farnham, but in my opinion, any any progress in Europe is staying in the competition beyond Christmas, which was the target for Rodgers. He he said that loads of times. He's publicly said he wanted to make us a force in, uh, in European football again. That's not quite happened, albeit I do agree it's, it's one campaign under his belt and things will improve. I do agree with everyone on that aspect of it, but we can't say just because we won a game that it's it's progress. Yeah, great. In essence, we had to get that monkey off the back, but pro- progress, in my opinion, is staying in the competition, whether it's Europa League or Champions League beyond Christmas. That's the way I see it. So that's why I would mark it as a D. So see, just saying that, mate, see... Like I said earlier, I know how that you, with, with, there's some of the groups, there was like three teams on four points that, that qualify for Europa. Would you have seen that yeah. as a success if we were in one of the groups and qualified? But we weren't. Yeah, I know, but if we were, start hypothetically. If, if we were and, and the group evolved to that and we qualify with four points, yeah, it's because it's we stayed in after yeah. Christmas. That's all I mean here. And look, I, I see Monty getting rage in here that Rangers people compare us to them. I don't really do that because it's we're in the Champions League, they're in Europa League. I do get what he's come, where he's coming from. Obviously, they, they top the group and things, but I'm focused on the Celtic for now and I want us, to, want us to be better and do better in European football like we all do within this podcast, people who are watching and, and contributing to the stream as well. So that's why I would give it a D. Do I sound stupid? Probably. Do I sound like I'm contradicting myself? I do quite a lot. Not but at all, mate. It's, it's my opinion on things. And you, you referenced Manchester United and what they spend. We can't control Manchester United. We can control our own destiny. No, I know. There are clubs. I know. But the the point was like everybody has that argument. Like, like, people have been arguing me till the fucking blue in the face. Yeah. Like, we need to spend money, and I've never said we shouldn't spend money. As the money's there, spend it. All I've ever said was Celtic one aren't as big a draw as we used to be <coughs> because of the standard of the league we're in, and pe- players don't care about history and playing Champions League anymore. They they care about their weekly wage, so they'll go to lower leagues in England and get paid five times what they get paid at Celtic so we're, we're not a draw anymore I don't think it's as easy just to go out and go that guy's brilliant standard on he's eight to ten million pound let's go and get him I just don't think it's as easy yeah. as that and I just think that it's a fair argument for people to say well there's Man United spent a billion pounds and they're they, they're finishing but rock bottom in their group as well I just think yeah. it's a fair yeah. argument to say that that's all I, I get that, but I get, I'm guessing obviously there's Manchester United fans who are crying catastrophe right now oh, with the, the way their right. season's going. Do you know what I mean? So 100%. But for me, that's why I would give it a D. That, that's my, my honest opinion on it. Progress in Europe is staying in a competition after Christmas and actually winning a knockout tie. That's the next kind of objection for me in that, in that side of things. But, but Steve, Jane, can I, can I ahead, it's just been a bugbear in mind for years. If you mm-hmm. finish third in the Champions League, you shouldn't go to the Europa League. You finish yeah. third in Europa League, you shouldn't get into the Conference League. Yeah, yep. two two qualify end off. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute joke. I think I think so Jed, I think that's stopping in the new format next year. I don't it think is. any so should, well, well, uh, it's a joke. 
It really I is. I agree with that, mate. Aye. It is, which have kind of make it harder for ourselves, but you know, we kind of go with the flow. <laughs> but then we're, we're back to domestic action against Hearts, and look again, Hearts are a bit of a basket case at the minute. They they had their AGM, and I know the fans were questioning Naismith as boring state of football. They got beat by Aberdeen two one recently as well. They're not on a great run of form, but you said it. This is this is. It, I mean, every game's a pressure game, but for some reason, there's a wee bit of pressure in this because of the league form, with, with the defeat. They've creeped up in points. Obviously, five points at the minute were in front, but if they win their game in the hand, it's down to two. And it's fatal until the 30th, at least, that we maintain a clean run of victories. We have to win. Our league starts tomorrow night. We can't, you know, what happened last week is in the past. The league starts tomorrow. We have to win every game to the end of the year in the league. We have to. So we do. And... I expect us to put on a show tomorrow. I think we'll we'll win tomorrow, but we but the fans need to play their part tomorrow. We ha, we cannot be sitting at a, just sitting expecting the players. We need to give them back in tomorrow, because you could see as Gavin man, mentioned earlier, that yeah that the fans were supportive of all them on Wednesday night and they played to that. So let's get behind the team tomorrow. Let's start and we push yeah. on from. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Galvin, I think we've obviously entered into a title race of our own doing. Let's be honest here, dropping all the points in the league. And as I said, Hearts, their fan base are, I don't know, they're ostracized with Naismith at the minute and, and Buds and, and people that got at the top. So they're going for their own wee crisis. But for us, like Jed's, Jed, well put there, to be fair, we need to be on the ball. We need to pick up points again. We need to get a consistent run of victories. And Find the form and, and, and domestic action. People are questioning the state of play, saying it's boring, it's lethargic. And I have to be honest, there has been a point. So there's been times where I'm watching going, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, what's going on here? It's a slow, it's not really, I mean, is it because of the way teams play? It could be. But again, we need to be just fit, firing, and from the final whistle, put on a show for the fans. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um I think I think we're going to win. Okay, so I'm going to say that. Also, I think we're going to get a clean sheet. I'm confident because the last time we dropped points against Hearts was that horrible, horrible night in Ange's opening game um, away at, at yep. Hearts. Um, very, very memorable night. Um, but that's the last time we dropped points against Hearts. Uh, we've, we've beaten them every time since then. Um, Hearts, I think. I've got what's his name. Uh, is it Bryson? Bryson? What's his name? Um, oh, the, the, the Baldy guy. The, 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 the boys. Oh, boys, aye. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, he's out. And Devlin, he's out as well. Um, I like Devlin. Oh, we can. Oh, he, he's a threat. He's a threat. Um, so I think we need to nullify Shankland. And Shankland has scored the majority of his goals away from home. I think he's got seven in the league, but five of them have came away from home. Um, and Hearts are really are not scoring many goals, I think. So they played like 16, but you can tell I've done, I, I read about this before, but we, we went live. So they played 16 I like games. Played 16 games, they've only scored 15 goals, and half of that is coming from Shankland. However, if Cameron Cutter-Vickers doesn't play, then I think that our two centre-backs are vulnerable against Shankland. I think Shankland is smart enough, he's cute enough to, to beat our centre-backs if Cameron Cutter-Vickers is not playing. I've read that Cameron Cutter-Vickers is ready. I've also read that Maida is ready. 
So I think we'll beat them at home with the home crowd behind us. And as I said, I'm going for the clean sheet. Um, I, I, I'm expecting, whether it be a huff and puff performance or whether it be a free scoring performance, I'm, I'm predicting a win. Um, you rightly said that, that the Hearts fans are kind of kind of ostracised with uh, Naismith right now. They're not doing too very well. They're not the Hearts of of a couple of seasons ago under Robbie Nielsen. Mm. The Hearts under a guy who doesn't know his arsehole from his ear hole. And I think we're going to beat them. Whether comfortably or whether not, we're definitely going to beat them. So I'll put my neck on the line for that. Well, I'll put you on the spot before I go to Willie. What's your score and I know prediction then? Um, okay, I'll go for 4 0 then. Right. Line up prediction. Um, right. So, assuming Kamikata Vickers is back, then you've got Hart, Greg Taylor, Johnson, Scales, Kamikata Vickers. In the midfield, I've also read that Awata should be okay. So, assuming Awata's back, you've got him, McGregor, and O'Reilly. And Palmer, I've also read. Been doing a lot of reading today. I've also read that Maida should be back. So you've got Palmer, Maida, and Kyogo. If Maida isn't back though, then I would I would stick with Mickey Johnson, Mickey Johnson, Palmer, and Kyogo. But hopefully Maida can come in, Awata can come back, and Cam Cam can come back. So there we go. Yeah, and what about yourself, Willie? What What do you think of what Gavin said there? Uh, aye, aye. Interesting. I, I, for me, I don't. I don't think it's going to be as as easy street. I, I hearts aren't the same team they have been, but I don't know. Just just the last few league games, I just don't feel like we've got going on the back of that performance on Wednesday night. I think the boys should be right up for it, and we should go and do them. But uh, I still think it'll be fairly comfortable. But um, I, I think we'll. I think we'll probably. I, I'll go two 0 because I like Gavin said, I've noticed the cell. They've not been great in front of goal this season. The goals for column is not looking good for them. Good enough for them, right enough. But uh, so I, I think it'll be fairly comfortable. But I'm not. I'm not so sure it'll be a route. Yeah. What about lineup, Sam? Oh Jesus Christ! I don't even think Brendan knows. He's, when was the last time <laughs> Brendan picked? When was the last time? <laughs> when was the last time? I could count on one hand. I think this season where he's picked. The same eleven twice in a row, and he always throws that like no, not one person would have said Welsh is playing on Wednesday night. Buff, Welsh is playing. The other week there he did the same. It's like like Holmes playing this week, and then we didn't see home for six weeks, and Bernardo's in. So I, I'll just tell you what I would play because <laughs> I'm not even going to predict what he does. But I I think I if CCV's fit, he's always going to play. So he would play, but if he doesn't, I would like to see Laga Bielka. I, I want to try. I want to see some more minutes under his belt and see what he can do. But I think the rest of it, Johnson Taylor and Scales needs to play. Hearts obviously going to be in goals. Uh, I, what I think is meant to be fit, so I'd definitely play him. I think when we've not got Hatate, I think, I think the first. When did uh, when did Hatate uh, go off? Like twenty minutes in or something on Wednesday night. Cal mm. Mack was absolutely running the show in that number eight position before he had to go off. And I think, for me, Calmac's best best form at Celtic was under Rodgers in his first tenure, where he kind of played in that either 10 or 8 role. He was getting forward and creating and scoring goals. By the way, I would never have took him out the six under Ange because I thought he was immense in there as well. But I just feel like in that position where he can just drive, there's nobody at their team that gets the ball at their feet and just drives drives into the opponents. Nobody does it. Rogic, Rogic used to do it. Even O'Reilly doesn't know that's not his game either. Um, 
love to see him in the number eight. So I, for me, Awatas, if he's if Awatas fit, he's got to play every week until Hatati's back. So it'd be him, um, Cal Mack and Ballandor, twenty twenty four O'Reilly <laughs> playing in midfield. And if if Maeda's even twenty percent fit, I'd be playing him on the right and playing Palmer left with Kyogo up front. And if not, I'd be playing with James Forrest because Mikey Johnson is. I think I think he's been fortunate to have more minutes than most. And I just I just don't get it. I don't see it with him, unfortunately. And and you know, Stephen, you know me. I always defend. I'm not one to criticise. But he's had season after season, and I know he's had yeah. injuries. But he's he, I think he's done. I I think he's had. I would actually rather like to see the likes of We Rock Ovata or somebody like that get a chance ahead of him. That's how strongly I feel about him not playing. Um, so I would <laughs> I, I wouldn't have him in the team. I think I say if my head is twenty percent fit, I'd play him or James Forrest. But a comfortable two yeah. 0 win, I think, for us. O'Reilly's going to score again. Early doors, just take the take it out, and then Kyogo's got to score. Put it to bed. So, Jed, we've got a 2-0, comfortable 2-0 for Annie Special for Willie. A 4-0 <laughs> for Gavin. What are you going with, Jed? And also, if you have any changes to the starting lineup predictions, I mean, you mentioned Father. We could have young uh, Mitchell Frame maybe starting. Be surprising there. You never know with Rogers, like you said, Willie. But, Jed, come and do me a score prediction. And if you want, you can do a lineup prediction too. Right. Sorry. I didn't quite hear what Gavin's score prediction is. What, what was it Gavin said? 4-0. 4-0. 4-0. Right. I've took I wrote down 3-0. I'm going to go Hart, Johnston, Lagrabielka, Scales, Taylor. I thought Awata was injured, so I put Bernardo, McGregor, and O'Reilly. I did here today the same thing. I put Maeda, Palma, and Kyogo. But if if Maeda's not fit, it needs to be a forest for me, not Mikey Johnson. Uh, agreed. And because I don't even think, well, is Yang, is he out for a wee while now or still since the commandment game, the shoulder injury? I don't know. I would assume so, we I'm not being in the squad midweek, but yeah. I, if he's fit, I would def- I'd play him before any of them as well, mate. Aye, it's a good shout. I, I, don't, I, I don't think he'll play CCV tomorrow. I think he might be trying to make sure he's going to be okay for the 30th of December. So, yeah, that's how I would give go Lagerbielka and Scales centre back, centre halves tomorrow. And the goal score. What's the score? 3 0. I'm going to go Callum McGregor, Kyogo. Two goals, Kyogo and Callum McGregor. I'm putting a five on that. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask? Right. So, Stephen Welsh started the game. He didn't disgrace himself. I remember two shaky passes in the first half, but he grew into the game. He came off just because he was not match fit in the second half, predictably. Lagerbielka comes on, he scores the goal. Not, not, not. I disagree with you guys, but I'm not criticising you guys. Why would you start Lagerbielka ahead of Stephen Welsh? Gavin, I personally think Lagerbielka is a better player than Welsh. That's the only reason why I've put. To him. But I agree with you. Like I said at the beginning of the show, Stephen Mills have played a good game the other night. So he may well deserve to get his place tomorrow. But that is just my personal opinion. I I don't rate um, Welsh. I don't I think Lagerberg is a better player. Man. That's a fair point. It's a fair point, Gavin, mate. I totally agree. But um, Welsh is... 
Welsh is kind of one of them for me. I've always actually quite liked Welsh. I think he always, he, I don't think he ever fires in like horrendous performances, but he's never, he's never like world, like world beat either. He's always six or seven out of ten for me every week. And um, the reason I would just go with Lagabielka, the same reason I would have went with him on Wednesday night, is just because there's a lot of hype about him. Uh, you, you said yourself, he's, he's, I think he's ahead of Starfelt for Sweden, and I just think that we've spent a bit of money on him. He looks a decent prospect. Hearts aren't scoring many goals, and I just want to see minutes under his belt because we've bought him in, and he's not he's not had a run at all. And obviously, the gaffers came out and said certain things about certain players. Uh, I would just like to see minutes under his belt, to be honest with you. And Welsh again, he was thrown in cold. Uh, I think if he was thrown in again, he would have to. He would only be playing an hour anyway and be and be hooked off. So I personally would just like to see, just to see minutes under Lagabielka's belt. But it's a great point. No, no, fair enough. I mean, that kind of rounds the, the podcast up. There's been quite a lot of fun, quite a fun, actually really enjoyable as well. And I do want to come to the, obviously, the NSL's admin calendar. Who is this player? I mean, Willie, we want to do the honours you got it within 0.2 seconds, buddy. It's the one, the only, Diamante Kamara. <laughs> and the only person to get that was, let me see if I can get this comment back up here. No way, only one oh. person got that. Only one person got it, yeah. Really? Yeah, and that's playing up, yeah, which is great. It was, let me see, Michael Mitchell. He got the last one oh, as well. Absolutely, absolutely quality at them, like 100%. But... To you, Gavin, first time on with us. Have you enjoyed it, buddy? Mate, it's been brilliant. It's been brilliant. We're two hours in. Um, <laughs> I, I was thinking that longer we stay on and the longer I'm drinking, I might I might just forget like, what your questions are. But no, it's it's been fantastic. Uh, don't you get lit? The, the, we, from the Jungle Gyms, we've watched you guys for like, a, a number of years. Not like in a, a voyeur kind of like perspective, but um, like we were just saying we want to kind of get to where you guys were and let the circumstances necessitated that we had to kind of close down what we were doing, but we wanted to stay in the podcast game. We're really, really grateful that you guys have taken us on. Thank you for that. Um, a lot of the people in the comment section, I, I recognise the names of that, and it's it's just great kind of part of the, the Celtic community, the fans that they kind of... They, they kind of circulate between um, all the, the Celtic podcasts. It's great to see a lot of familiar names. Thank you for that. It's been brilliant. Friday night is all, all, always a kind of a, a relaxed time when you can have a drink. You know that most people are off the weekend, so it's been really, really enjoyable. So again, just uh, grateful that you've you've taken us on. Really appreciate it. And to, to Willie, Stephen, and Jed, really, really enjoyed the crack. Thank you for that. It's been a brilliant night, and hopefully more of the same. A hundred percent, mate. And look, we're, we're delighted to have everyone on board, Jed, as well, buddy. I mean, it adds to our podcast, different discussion points. Gavin, you and Jed have both come in with some cracking questions and debate, and it's just brilliant. And like you said, the community within the chat, they always add to it as well. And again, like you rightly said, the John Jones podcast had pretty much the same names as ourselves. You know what I mean? So it's good to see that kind of band continuing and people talking among themselves. And, and Jed, as, as a full-time member now, have you, have you enjoyed this one? Yeah, I have, and uh, I'm actually, my daughter can't make the game tomorrow because she's working and then she's out, so my wife just came along and my daughter Katie was like, Dad, what about what about the swearing and everything like that? I said, sorry, right, and if I had a wee word with your mark, told her she needs to calm down, so, so we're fine. and then we're going in, into the time for a few drinks, so 
anybody's in the Merchant City, if they're watching the podcast and they see me, come along, say hiya. And you'll, they'll realise I talk shite in real life all the time. <laughs> right? Perfect, mate. Perfect. Good to have you on. And Willie, after this podcast, I have to jump off, get sorted for tomorrow morning. A long journey ahead of myself to meet up with all you guys for the carry deal, the Christmas party at Celtic Park. We've done it before. I'm absolutely buzzing, so excited just to have a beer all you again. Have you enjoyed the podcast? And more importantly, are you looking forward to tomorrow? <laughs> Absolutely, mate. I mean, the podcast, Gavin and uh, Jed's been on plenty of times. I've known Jed a long time and I'm so pleased that he's he's kind of, I mean, he was always available before anyway, before it's kind of became official now. So I'm really pleased he's come on board. It's obviously a brilliant addition. And Gavin, it's been superb. Me, tonight's the first time I met you, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the debates. And uh, I, I know I, I know where you're coming from, like the, the jungle gyms, because I feel like, without going into too much detail, us as a podcast, we're kind of starting to get that way, whereas there's no enough bodies and it's kind of consuming our lives. And it's um, like, we, we love it, but we've obviously all got lives going on outside of this as well. And it, it, was, it was getting difficult. And... Um, I'm just really pleased you guys have came aboard yourself. I'm yet to meet James and Anthony, but I'm looking forward to debating with ourselves as well. And I just think it's, I, I, I kind of went a bit stagnant myself on, on here and I've just got a proper buzz about it all again. And I've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it tonight. I'm looking forward to seeing what the, uh, the future is. Future holds. We've had a lot of chat about what's coming up in the future and I'm, I'm really excited. So, Cheers uh, for coming on, and, and I'm, I'm I'm buzzing for the I buzzing for the future, lads. Thanks. Yeah. Steve, I'm safe, safe journey tomorrow, but if you end up in my local, Willie knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> you were there the last time. You can't even mind it. So please, we're actually Jed. We're next door. We're um, we're going to the Kerrydale, but we've we've booked an apartment right next to Celtic Park tomorrow. So we'll be in there when you come out of the game. Where are you going prior to the game? Sorry. Well, we're going out for a few beers, but we're going to be in an apartment next door, so we'll maybe hit a gee a wee text and get a few pints. No, I've got, I've got the wife with me tomorrow, so we'll have a good oh, night right. the game then. I'm not going to, so, I'm not going to get a winch out of that. Dude, she's, she's did, too much better looking anyway. Dude, did you say I met you in person? No, no, I just said you were at the... Sorry, it's breaking up. What did you say? Did you say I met you in person? Because I can't remember that if it did. No, since the last time I spoke to you, I seen a picture on social media, and I says to you, you were in the pub where I drank, and you can't even mind you been in there. You can't even mind you. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all. But look, thanks for coming on. It's been a great podcast, and again, we'll be absolutely steamboats this time tomorrow, Billy. But can't wait for it. I'm going to get shoot off and get sorted out for an early boat tomorrow. But everyone, we'll be back Monday. Stay well, keep safe. Hail, hail.